Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 630 Chad and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present the show that is everything Oilers. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Managed print services to keep your printing costs down? Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A. On Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. It's hour number two of Oilers Now. Bob Stauffer with you along with Brendan Escott. Oilers Now is brought to you by our title sponsor for, uh, I believe we're up to seven consecutive years now. That is Digitex, who wish you and yours all the best during these uncertain times. Digitex.ca is Alberta's number one owned and operated place to buy office technology and software. Uh, you can text us on our Ashley Fine Floors text line at 7804960063. Ashley Fine Floors providing winning results for over 35 uh, years. In this hour, we'll rehook up with Mark Spector for the Horses and Horse Race in Alberta. We'll talk to WHL Rookie of the Year Dylan Gunther, who will be a top 10 pick in the 2021 NHL draft. We'll get to uh, this day in Oilers history. There's a couple significant events that happened on this day, including Edmonton winning their first Stanley Cup back in 1984 uh, we will also have uh, NHL today for elite promotional marketing and get into our orders now audio vault we reconvene one Mark Spector spec uh, I was I just turned 18 when the Edmonton Oilers won the uh, first Stanley Cup championship in 1984 I did make it to Jasper Avenue that night Mm-hmm. I did not get the invite from Sandy Nesbitt, our old friend from the days of overtime broiler and taproom, uh, to Jester's, which is where the uh, party sort of reconvened and uh, Mark Messi went, I think, until 10 o'clock in the morning. And speaking of Mark Messi, and I got a two-parter for you here. First of all, tell us where you ended up that night. And uh, iMac has texted the show to say, Bob and Mark was Mark Messier. A bit like Michael Jordan in his ability to push and deliver a message to his teammates. So, question one: Where did you end up with back in '84? Did you end up on Jasper Ave? Whew, yeah, the whole city went to Jasper Ave for sure. Uh, now, Jester's not that place used to be right above the high-level bridge on the north side of the river. Is that where it was? Sure. It, it turned into a place called Cracker Jacks. I think that's you, you you're you're warm. Yep. I think so. Uh, no, I was, uh, hey, that was like everybody. I was, so it's 84. So you were 19. I, 
I'm 19, turning 19, so I'm 18, so I'm of age. We can go to the bar. Uh, but no, everybody went down to Jasper Island. That was the thing to do. It was very organic, Bob. The first was, uh, one was. The yeah, first, the first one couple, was. The first couple yeah. were pretty organic. It was just a bunch of happy fans and people um, yeah, having a good time. And then, I guess, you know, it's first world problems. You win too many cups. By the time we got to the third and fourth cup, that crowd, that those Jasper Ave crowds got a little ugly, frankly. And uh, But I remember the first one very, very well. Someone stole a giant... Someone took a giant golf ball. There was a golf school downtown, Bob. Yeah. I can't remember the name of the school, but someone got this giant golf ball. I'm going to say it was about five feet tall. And they pushed, they got this thing speeding down Jasper Avenue. And I just recall it running over some poor woman who was standing there minding her own business. Got run over by a big, it was a green golf ball. But anyhow, I wasn't a Jester's either. I think that might have been more fun, huh? Yeah, I'm having a feeling if the guys went at her until 10 in the morning, it was a pretty good night. You know, so good for them. They deserved it. Well, All right, sure. the, question, the question that IMAC asked was Mark Messier uh, more, put it this way, I think if Wayne Gretzky said something to you that was terse and direct, you, you better heed uh, that advice because I, I know you've had the privilege to deal with him over the years and uh, he's a pretty reasonable and fair guy and treats people really well and is is a, frankly a bit of a people pleaser like he doesn't go out of his way to necessarily get in people's grills uh, Mark Messier and there are some pretty legendary stories about uh, Mark dealing with things both uh, internally and externally with the opposition as well Oh yeah, Mark was uh, you know Mark wore it on his you know on his sleeve on his you could look I mean they talk about the the look in his eyes you know and Gretzky was Gretzky but Mark was more how would I say more overt more you know you feared what you feared what Gretzky would do to you on the scoreboard you feared what Mark Messier would do to your personal well being right he was visibly intense and and just a yeah, he was just a special type of leader. I mean, one of the all-time great leaders in hockey history. That's just what he was, and everyone who plays with him uh, will say that. So, except in Vancouver, uh, he had a, you know what? It didn't work in Vancouver for him. Right? Yeah. It didn't work. He went to a bad team. He, frankly, I think he, he was playing GM probably a little bit too much. Yep. And uh, you know, it didn't work out. But I'll tell you what, he. You know, between he and Gretzky, like, obviously you had the best two centers, the one-two punch up the middle in hockey. Yeah. Uh, but you also had both sides of the spectrum covered. You had the, the quiet, you know, 200-point man, and then you had the other guy that uh, the fire burned awfully bright with Mark Messier for sure. And it was a different game. Like, I mean, you had a guy like Mark that would skate through a guy and utterly destroy him with a hit. Uh, yeah. And if you cheap-shotted Mark, you were going to get it. Like, you know, Jamin McGowan got a piece of Mark's knee. It was, uh, if you're a Calgary fan, you'd say it's a good, tough play. If you're an Oilers fan, you'd say that's cheap. And you know what? Messi exacted his revenge. And it was ugly, it was nasty, and it was brutal. And most of us who were Oilers fans had absolutely zero problem with that. That's just how the game was played back in the day. I mean, it's, it's funny watching this series last dance and... You know, I, uh, Shaq was on spec the other night on, on ESPN. They said, how many points would he score today in the NBA with the proliferation of the use of the three-point play? And he's like, and the, and the nowhere near as tough defense. He said 45 points a game. Mm-hmm. 
Like, he led the league in scoring 10 times, and he said he'd score 45 points a game, which yeah, is when like... You see the, when you see the, you know, the old highlights of Chicago playing against the Detroit Pistons, yeah, you know, they were, they were a very mean... Big physical, and it was it's physical, man. I mean, I know they did they did throw some punches. It's not hockey where everyone dropped their gloves and beat each other up, but it was physical basketball with a yeah. lot of very large human beings running into each other. Uh, it's just not that was the same way. Hockey's not the same today, Bob. Basketball's not the same today. Yeah. Either. And the worst for hockey for me, and I look, Ken Hitchcock won a Stanley Cup. He's an Edmonton guy. It's a wonderful story. He's given a lot of time uh, to all of us. But the, the Dallas Stars and the time that they had Darian Hatcher and Ludwig uh, with those gigantic uh, shin pads and then Richard Mavtichuk, and those guys were water skiing off guys and hooking, and they could have called five penalties in every sequence in front of Lynette. I mean, it's now you lay a hand on a, you know, Unless you're Connor McDavid and you're too fast and the refs don't see it. I digress. Uh, anyhow, you know what I'm saying, Mark. It is a completely different game today. Well, it's a better game. It's just a better game. You yeah. know, like I've seen uh, every now and again, you see the highlights. You know, you, when I see now the highlights of, of the game where the Red Army, you know, threatened to leave the spectrum that day yeah. until Al Eagleson told them, you're not getting paid if you leave. Um, that's an embarrassment. You know, the, the Russians were playing. A style of hockey that you know it was it was beautiful hockey. It was pure skill and it was fascinating and it was different and you know it was a period piece that you're never going to see again. And the Philadelphia Flyers just go out there and beat the crap out of them and threaten to punch their faces in and and that's how they win. And you know, like to me that was it was fun for a while there, but it was stupid hockey. And I think we've got a much better game today. Connor McDavid gets to. We get to see how fast he is on a nightly basis. You know, when Mario Lemieux called it a garage league that time, he just got fed up with carrying guys down the ice that were water skiing behind him, and that's no good for the game. I don't need to see Mark Messier almost kill Jamie McCowan. You know, that was that was ridiculous, frankly. We shouldn't. I don't, you know, we all watched it then and said, wow, that sure is something. But you know, he probably took five years off Jamie McCowan's life with that elbow. So it's a better game now, Bob. And uh, challenge yeah. anyone to tell me it's not. Well, you know, I hated the Flyers. I admit to it. And uh, they had uh, Game Four of Montreal and Philadelphia last night on your on your network. Yeah. And you know, the Canadians wrestled the Cup back from the Flyers, who, by the way, on this date, in 1974, won their first Stanley Cup. Mark. The one video that I got to find a way to get a hold of, and I don't even know if it exists, there was a preseason game in 1975, played at the Spectrum in Philadelphia, and the Montreal Canadiens, who, as you know, for years had as good a feeder system as there was in the NHL, dressed their 11 toughest guys in their organization and went in and played in the Spectrum. And guys like Moose Dupont were running away. I hated Moose Dupont because he was always he was always the third man in, right? Like you know, Larry Robinson would string out Schultz and work him over, and it'd be Moose Dupont jumping in, and Dave Dunn would be beating up Bob Kelly, and it'd be Moose Dupont jumping. Anyhow, uh, and Dupont, by the way, scored in that game four back in 1976 and <laughs> kicked the skates on. Anyway, the story I got told is that there was this matchup between Montreal and the Canadian Strats, their 11 toughest guys. It was the second of a back-to-back preseason game. 
and they went into Philly, and they just threw down. I mean, every – and the Flyers didn't want any part of it by the end of the night. And that was it, that they won the Cup – the last preseason game, and somehow, some way, I got to get a copy of that team. They won the cup of the preseason game. <laughs> no hyperbole there, eh, Bob? <laughs> no, no, not not an overstatement. What's that? Never occur occurs in Oilers now. You know that. All right, Spec. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna take a two minute timeout, and when we get when when we, when we come back, we're gonna talk about. Because we don't know what's going on. We don't know if this is going to happen or not. But what we do know, Mark, is the game is going to change. And it's going to change for us as well. And we'll discuss that when we come back in Oilers Now. Hi, this is Jajar Kara from your Edmonton Oilers. And you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chad. All right, I'm going to put Mark Spector on the uh, spot here as we go back to our River Cree Resort Casino hotline at 119. Mark where are we at right now, in your opinion, with the NHL and the NHLPA and the potential of a restart? Well, you know, one of the interesting things that came up over the weekend, uh, I believe Elliot uh, Friedman may have reported this first. I'm not positive on that, but I believe so. One of the issues is, you know, they talked about having four host cities, hub cities, but one of the questions is becoming uh, border travel, and you can't really have cities in either country playing hockey if the particular to the Canadian government it sounds like is going to be is going to make people quarantine for 14 days when they come over so let's say you play you have four cities and somebody wins in Columbus and then they got to come up to Canada they can't wait two weeks at that point to play the next series so yeah. what we're hearing other than the fact that now they're talking about it they're back to about like a 24 team playoff which is a little crazy uh, is probably closer to two hub cities, Bob, and both in the same country. So, you know, we're here in Vegas and Columbus right now leading the way on this. Uh, and the border thing is a bigger thing than, than perhaps people realized at the time. Uh, less likely to have four cities in two countries. Yeah, uh, I do think if it was four four pods, that might help Edmonton more than if it's two pods. Yep. Um, I got to tell you, right now it's 14 days. I know, and I had this discussion with another uh, media member earlier today, I know what Dr. Henshaw said several weeks ago, that right now the quarantine's 14 days, and she said that two or three weeks ago. But this situation's fluid, Mark, and that's the one thing that's got to be stated. I mean... Five days ago, Mary, Mary or, uh, Garcetti in Los Angeles talked about the fact that there would be nothing happening for the next three months. And then yesterday, the state of California, a Democratic state, by the way, said, yeah, we can, professional teams can play here. They just can't have fans as of yet. So things, this situation is fluid. I mean, in two months from now, are we looking at maybe five days? I don't know. Are we looking at three days? Who knows? I do know this, Mark. No matter what, there's going to be changes. And there's going to be, at least in the short term, like I could see Jack and myself broadcasting games off of a feed at the 630 Chad Studios. I could see that being an option. How dramatically are things going to change for you as a ink-stained wretch? Well, you know, it's the big unknown. First of all, talk about flying, right? Let's talk about flying. You know, when the, with the and now, which leads me to think you fly with the team, Bob, on the team charter, you and Jack. Yeah. So, you know, if it becomes a thing about who's inside our bubble, 
and who's not. You know, you, you're part of that team, right? You fly with them, you stay at their hotel, you go on their buses. So it, it, theoretically speaking, for you and Jack to be included in the everyday operations of the Edmonton Oilers as they travel around, I don't know, you'd just be like another player, right? You know, in that respect. Um, I'm not on any of those things. I'm not on their plane, I'm not on their bus, and I'm not on their hotel. So that would certainly lead me to think that I'm closer to being left on the outside watching games on TV. You may be, but I think I will be for sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, do we have... And I'm, I'm just saying in the short term, Mark, I'm not saying two years from now. I'm just saying in the short term. Yeah, sure. Do, Fair enough. Like, do we even have post-game availabilities the way you'd see availabilities done in the third and fourth round of the NHL playoffs? And you know, and, and for the listeners that know, they, they bring two or three players out. There's a general conference room, maybe similar to what you've seen with President Trump's uh, press conferences where the media are, you know, six six feet apart type thing. Is that even going to be an option? I don't think it will be, Mark, if they're going to create a true Olympic-style bubble if we are fortunate enough to return to play in the – if we have a conclusion to – the 2019-20 season. 2021, we're talking December. All bets are off. Who knows where we're at at that stage. But I just, I, I think it's going to change things a lot in the short term if we do come back and play. Oh, no, for sure. And, and you know, just as a, as a insight to the you know, way a journalist looks at this thing, personally speaking, Bob, if I can't go to morning skates and talk to players and coaches and, and educate myself about what's going on and have conversations with guys and ask my own questions. If I can't go be in a press box filled with, you know, that Ken Holland's walking by two or yeah. three times a game and we have, you know, if I have a question, I ask him where Keith Gretzky's walking around, where scouts from other teams are there. If all of that doesn't exist, I don't even want to be at the rink ball. Because, frankly, our seats are some of the worst in the house. I'm not complaining. I like to go to the games. I like to watch hockey. But you know this. In many rinks, including Edmonton, our seats are inferior to watching a game in many aspects, watching a game on TV. So as a journalist, if you're saying to me, Spec, go sit and watch the game all by yourself, but you don't get to talk to anybody, you don't get to ask the players any questions, and there's no management-type hockey people around to, for me to gain insight, Hell, I'll stay home. There's, I'll, I'll cover it off a of television, Bob. There's no need for me to go to an arena. Yeah, and we should explain to the listeners that Ken Holland chose this season to sit at home games with his staff back on the same side as the media at Rogers Place because he valued those relationships as well. Mm. And he's a grinder, and he wants to be in the guts of the game, and that's one way to be a part of it. So that speaks volumes. Yeah. Speaking, we are getting some questions, Spec. Let's do some quick hitters. I'm hearing it's it's gone pretty quiet. We know, you know, guys like uh, Nygaard and, and Haas got re-signed. We're having people asking us, well, what about Matt Benning? What about Ethan Bear? What about Andreas Athanasio? They're all restricted free agents. I'm under the impression it's pretty quiet. Have you heard otherwise? Yeah, because you can't make any trades. You can't, like, sure, Bob, it's easy to sign guys like they did with Nygaard and Haas because they're, they are Oilers today. They're going to be Oilers tomorrow. Resign them, great. You can sign Ethan Bear tomorrow if you want. But what's going on in Edmonton? One of the major things is Ken Holland's probably Ken Holland's trying to move the Chris Russell contract, right? You know, Chris Russell is a, is a genuine 
third-pairing defenseman and a good player. You like him on your team. So does Ken Holland. like him on his team, I understand. But he makes $4 million bucks. It's too much money. So, But the problem is, Bob, you can't trade a guy that if you come back next week, he's supposed to be playing for you. So the money Matt Benning gets offered is held up until he figures out what he's doing with Russell. The money Ethan Bear can be offered under the cap gets held up until you figure out what you do with Russell. Ken Holland doesn't even know what the cap is going to be, Bob. So he, he clearly can't sign Bennings, can't sign Bear. No one's going to make a trade for a bigger contract like Russell. So everything is held up in every organization because of the unknown, and particularly because nobody knows what the cap's going to be. If it's me, Ethan Bear, despite the fact that, you know, everybody would like to sign him long-term, I think you have to do it like what the Rangers did with D'Angelo. He doesn't have arb rights. You sign him to a one-year deal, and then coming out of that, then you give him the long-term deal. Um, and I got one more for you, Spec. We got about 60 seconds to discuss it. Which of these four players in a perfect world would make the most sense for Edmonton to get for Yesapoliarvi? We've heard Elias Anderson from the New York Rangers, uh, Casey Middlestadt from the Buffalo Sabres, Tyson Jost from the Colorado Avalanche, or Henrik Borgstrom of the Florida Panthers. All four of those players have stagnated at times, and names have been out there. Who would make the most sense? That's an excellent question. Uh, I love Middlestadt as a younger player when we saw him here. I uh, saw him as a junior. Tons and tons of skill he's got. Like, wow. So I could see, you know, I would be enticed. Uh, I know Bergstrom's the kid that played at uh, Denver with Todd McCollum's son, correct? That is correct, yes. Yeah, and I know Todd McCollum, uh, when he was here, had seen him a lot and was exceptionally high on him. I have not seen that player, Bob, a lot. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not going to tell you I think he's good or not good because I just frankly do not know. Uh, Leah Anderson's a guy that's really st- – he's had a chance to play and stagnated some. That that makes sense from a, my failed prospect for your failed prospect trade. Too slow. Too if slow. I'm the Oilers, that's not the guy I want, I was just going to yeah. say. Uh, Tyson Yost's a good player and a local guy, but if, if you had to tell me right now to pick one of those four names out of a hat – uh, and I would do a lot more research, but if I had to, I'd just take I'd take Middlestat because undeniably just a mountain of skill in that player. All right, Mark, uh, thanks for the time. We'll hook up next week, okay? All right, Bobby, thanks for the call, man. You bet. For the horses and horse racing, Alberta from Sportsnet, that is Mark Spector joining us in the River Cree Resort Casino Hotline. Uh, I will tell you all season long, courtesy of our friends at James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. We have the orders now. Injury report. When accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. Trent Brown, Jim Brown. Trent played for the Eskimos. Jim Brown played for the Oil Kings. They want to wish you uh, the best during these challenging times. Off to a global news weather traffic update with Kerry McCarthy. When we come back... He is uh, an emerging star in the Western Hockey League, where he was named the Rookie of the Year. Dylan Gunther, when we return on Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.